Okay, so a few text messages coming through here. Um, let me see this first one says, I've wondered over the years on what the Bible says, that when Jesus returns, the world will be like the days of Sodom and Gomorrah. Mm-hmm. Now we can see how this will happen by human demonic laws. The whole world will get to accept them, but for the true Christians, that will be left standing for the law of God. Most of the world now accepts the LGBT community, even many of the people who were completely against it. Will it be the same for this new law if time should last? Mm. Okay, so, you know, will people, I, I guess asking the question, will people accept that uh, religion is just a, an evil thing that we need to be super suspicious of all the time? You know, if this new law is passed, is re- referring to the law in Denmark. You know, how society, and, and the writer here is just looking at how society has changed. There used to be a time, and I can remember a time when I was a kid, when the LGBT community was not accepted at all in, you know, in any part of society. And how much society has changed in my lifetime, how much society will change in your lifetime, Minnie, as far as, you know, religious liberty goes. Is it just one of those things that we will one day read about in history where, yeah, once upon a time you used to be able to go to church and preach a sermon on whatever you wanted to? Hmm. Interesting stuff. Okay, um, this one's on the abortion issue. I will not judge the women who do so as I am not walking in their shoes. God knows their hearts. And that's a very important thing. Mm. I think that we need to recognise that we are not judging people here. And that was... A very heavy subject that we covered as part of the interview. I think that was probably one of the most heavy interviews that we have ever had here on Faith FM this morning. Mm. And, uh, you know, even here, those of us here in the studio just felt traumatised at the end of it. And I feel for a a lot of the women out there and men Mm. who've been impacted by abortion, um, we're not judging anyone here. We're judging the legislation. This is not about people. This is about the laws that are being passed in South Australia and this is about protecting people. Mm. And, you know, I do believe that um, I do believe that as Christians we need to take a stand in these sorts of spheres. Yes. That said, when it as you said, this is about legislation, not about the people. I do believe that we have to be there as much for the people hypothetically, uh, not hypothetically, who are coming out of those places as much as we are taking a stand before they go in. Does that make sense? Absolutely. So for the Absolutely. women or girls who are coming out, we need to be as much on that side of the door to be like, hey, what can we do to support you through this as much as before they go in? And it's, and it's ex- yes. You know, and I, I think sometimes we're not great at that. Yes, that's a really good point. Uh, and if somebody was to come to me uh, for counselling, I'm never going to ask, you know, for counselling who's, who's uh, had an abortion, I'm never going to ask, you know, are you pro-abortion or anti-abortion now? That's never a question. Yeah, it's just like, no, right. I'm just here to help you as a person, yes. as an individual. You know, I don't care on your political stance on this. You've been through a traumatic experience and mm. I'm here to help. Yeah, that's right, yeah. Um, and I think that's the attitude that we always need to have. Mm. Yes. And, and yeah, it, it's, it's a challenging one. I mean, the depression rate for women who have had abortions is you know, the best part of 100%, if not 100%. Mm. And what do we do to support those those women? Yeah, yeah. You know, we, 
we're not here to ostracize them. We're not here to say that you're a terrible person. We are here to support you on either side of this equation. If you mm. are in a terrible situation where you don't know how you can deal with having a child right now, we are here to support you. If you're in a terrible situation where you have aborted a child, we are here to support you. Mm. That's, And I think this is one of the things that, um, yeah, Christians have in the pro-life battle have maybe not communicated so well. Yeah, yeah. We are here to support people. Yeah, no matter which way we're going. Yeah. No matter what your decisions have been. Okay, continuing on. Uh, but as for the laws behind them, you know about this since you spoke about it some time ago. It is a business, very ugly business, that trades in death for money. The real reason, um, yeah, behind yeah behind this is basically goes on to say that uh, the real thing behind this is Satan. Yeah, for sure. And Satan just glorifies in you know human lives being human lives being snuffed out. Mm. Satan is all yeah. about death. That's right. He is just yeah. That's right. He's all about destroying lives, right? And however that looks, it if it's if it's a child, if it's a person, like if it's an adult, if it's whatever it is. Yes. Like he's like, I don't care. That's as long right. as you're a mess from it, does me just fine. And uh, another text message just coming in, just in line with what you were saying there. Um, somebody's texting here to say, yes, you know, we, we don't agree with this, but we need to do the loving. Oh, 100%, yeah. You know, we need to call out what is wrong in very plain language. Mm. But then we need to do the loving. Um, and yeah, another text coming through here. Uh, true disciples love as Jesus loved. Mm. Whew, which is true and it's a hard thing in practice. That's right. And, you know, you can imagine Jesus standing outside an abortion clinic and saying, don't go in. Mm. And then a person goes in and when they come back out. He's still there. I'm, he's still there. Mm. He hasn't gone away. He hasn't turned his back. That's right. He hasn't given up. Mm. He's like, I still love you. That's right. Just as much as I did when you walked in. Yeah. Yep. And I think you see actually a really beautiful picture of that with, um, oh, I've just forgotten, when the woman is caught in adultery and comes yes. out. Because she actually has broken the law that did exist, Absolutely. that God gave. That's right. Do you know what I mean? Uh-huh. And that's this perfect picture where he's like, I'm not here condemning you. Now, go and sin no more, but I'm not casting the stones. You know, it's a beautiful picture of the grace of God's heart. Which doesn't diminish as there's justice in his heart too. But yeah, he loved. Mm. This is the thing. Jesus is good. Like I know we chuck around the words like, oh yeah, this is good. This is great. My day is awesome. But something that's fundamentally good, like just wholesome good, I don't know. There's very few things apart from God that I would put that word with. Now I'm trying to remember the name of that guy that ran those massive orphanages uh, back in the UK back in the day. Uh, Mueller? Mueller. Yeah, okay. Uh, because somebody's texted through and they've said William Miller, but they were thinking of um, oh, Mueller, okay. uh-huh. not yeah. Miller. George, George, George Mueller. Mueller. Yeah. That's right. Um, so somebody texted in reminds me of George Mueller, who showed the love of Christ with an orphanage of you know ten thousand kids. Yeah, fully. You know, that's 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 supporting people who have found themselves in desperate situations mm. and supporting them with love. And in today's society. We'd be horrified to see an orphanage that big. Yeah. Uh, but the question that goes through my 
mind, out of 10,000 kids, how many of them would have said, I wish I'd been aborted? Mm. Very, very few. Very, very few. Yeah, heavy stuff. Mm. And uh, we appreciate your text messages. Keep sending them through. Uh, 1-800-324-843 is the number if you'd like to give us a call or text us on 0491-064-669 if you want to send it through a text message. We've certainly stirred up quite a bit of um, (laughs) conversation on this particular subject. Yeah. And I think this kind of you the point you made before that we were speaking about earlier is pick the thing that's near you. So what's the community that you live in? What's going on there? Is is abortion a thing that you know women who are going through? If it's not, maybe it's something else. But we know that there's just a world around us that just needs a whole bunch of Jesus yes. and a whole bunch of love, you know, whatever that looks like. All right. Well, I guess it's time for a Bible study. It is time for a Bible study. Before we have our Bible study, just want to remind you all that if you are struggling to get reception in your area, grab the app mm. or listen to us on the TuneIn app even. Find us there, Faith FM Australia. You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. Okay, so I want to share a uh, story or two just as we begin our Bible study today. The first um, story that I'm going to share is the one of Hiru Onoda. He was a soldier in the um, Imperial Japanese Army in the Second World War. And as the Japanese were losing that particular war, um, he was on the island of Moritai and uh, the last uh, order that he was given was to, you know, because they were being overrun by the Allies and so forth, was to escape in the jungle and to live off the land and fight an insurgency from the jungle. And so that's exactly what he did. Mm -hmm. That's exactly what he did. Mm -hmm. And because that order was never rescinded. Mm. He stayed. He stayed and he kept on going. And from time to time, you know, because the, the Americans, you know, they dropped, you know, leaflets to all of the... Uh, Japanese insurgents and so forth and said, look, you know, the war's over. Mm -hmm. In in 1945 they dropped leaflets and he saw these leaflets and he even saw on occasion newspapers and so forth indicated the the war was over and he's like, they're trying to play play tricks on me. They're trying to get me to walk out of the bush and to surrender. And so he just, he stayed in the bush and kept fighting. Kept going, yeah. And it wasn't until 1974 that he was discovered, and when he was discovered, people were like, the war is over. I mean, I was two years old by this point. Mm. They're like, the war is over. And he's like, no. <laughs> you know, would not believe it. And so they had to go to Japan and track down his superior officer mm. who had moved on in life and was successful in business and so forth, and they've sort of come and knocked on his door one day and said, um, we need you to come out tomorrow, Ty. And he's like, why would I go out to Moritai? And he's like, well, um, there's this guy by the name of Hiru Onoda who used to be uh, under your command, and of course, you know, you remember the guy, who has not yet surrendered and does not believe that the war is over and has refused to surrender without an order to surrender from his superior officer. Mm. He'd been living in the bush, living off the land, living living alone for, what, the best part of 30 years? That's a committed soldier, can I just say. That's a lot of commitment. There was also uh, Teruo Nakamura, 
Um, oh, sorry, I got he was the one on Moratai. Um, Hiru Onoda Onoda was um, uh, on the island of Lubang. So yeah, um, and he sur- surrendered a little bit after that. Um, in on the uh, after twenty nine years, three months, and sixteen days. Also in nineteen December eighteen. 1970. Nearly made it to 1975. Wow. Now, there were several others who did not surrender until the 1980s, but they had joined uh, communist insurgencies in Malaysia. So it's kind of a little bit different, Mm. but kind of similar at the same time. That's a long time to go without knowing that the war is over. Imagine what it would be like to go back to Japan in 1974. When Japan has become the economic powerhouse of the world and the last time you saw Japan, it was being wrecked by American bombers Mm. and it was under threat from every side and it was being ruled by the military and there was an emperor on the throne who was considered to be a kind of a god. Mm. Imagine how much Japan had changed by the time he got back there. Oh, yeah. And the culture shock that he would go through, all because he didn't know the war was over. Mm. Imagine the PTSD that he would have suffered from fighting a 30-year war and be buying himself for all that time. And even just – because I remember when I heard this story and part of the thing was, yeah, they were trying to drop leaflets. They were trying to – I think they even – was it him that they contacted family members to try to say? And his whole thing was like, no, this is definitely propaganda because if we had lost, we wouldn't exist as a nation. You know, he was – Yes. He was so convinced that not only is it not over – it couldn't possibly over. You're definitely lying to me. Because Japan would have fought to the last drop of blood. Yeah, and I was like, could you imagine that, that you have such a mentality that you're like, of course not. Then you come back and you're like, oh, wait, no, wait, what? As you said, totally different culture than when he leaves. Yes. Okay, so today's Bible study is all about God dropping those leaflets Mm -hmm. and saying the war is over. Yeah. Uh, Isaiah chapter 40, verse 1 and 2. Let's read these verses right here. Okay, so I'm going to say a prayer before I read for our Bible study today. Papa, Lord God, it is Monday morning um, for those listening live and we are just wanting to read your word together, um, understand your truth. Um, Yeah, just speak to our hearts, God, soften our hearts, open our minds to your voice. Um, We just want to know you more. Thank you for your goodness and hearing our prayers. Amen. Amen. Okay, so verse 1 and 2 says, uh, Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem. Tell her that her sad days are gone and her sins are pardoned. Yes, the Lord has punished her twice over for all her sins. Is that where I'm going? One mm-hmm. or two? Mm-hmm. Okay. So here God comes to them and, you know, we put this in context. We've just, we've just had the war with Assyria. Mm. That's, that's, that's what has just happened. Yeah. And God comes to them and you can imagine the people in Judea at that particular time, the Assyrian army just vanishes. Mm-hmm. You know, they have been in rebellion from the Assyrians for a number of years. They have been under the threat of Assyrian invasion for a number of years. Then they've been under Assyrian invasion for a number of years. And they have endured absolutely incredibly incredible hardship and privation. Hezekiah has put, a, put the nation on a footing of total war 
for a number of years and this has become their lifestyle. Mm. Their lifestyle has become traumatic. Every day of their lives has been traumatic and suddenly, overnight, the Assyrians vanish. Mm. Yeah. You know, it kind of would have been nerve-wracking to, you know, I don't know about you, but I would have been kind of, I would have been incredibly nerve-wracked to just open the gates of Jerusalem and just leave them open all day. You know, you'd be looking at those open gates all the time going, you know, you haven't seen those open for a couple of years, you know, not just sort of standing open, just randomly standing open throughout the day and, you know, looking at the nearest hillsides like, do when did this slam these things shut? Yeah. You know, you wander out into the countryside and you're heading to your lands where you're going to do agriculture and so forth and constantly looking over your shoulder. Like, have the Assyrians really gone? Yeah. Was this all just a trick? But it's not just all a trick. And Isaiah comes through with a message because, you know, back then you can't send up a drone and find out whether they're really gone or not, can you? Mm, yeah, true. But God can see. Mm. God can see from space. And he looks down and he's like, yep, they're really gone. Off you go. Yeah. <laughs> time, time to be comforted. You have gone through a time period of hardship and now I'm going to bring you comfort and peace, mm. um, which is just a really special message that, 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 you know, that God is giving here. And to me there's a spiritual lesson in this. Have you ever fought in your life? and fought and fought and fought and struggled with all kinds of stuff and then finally surrendered to God. Mm. And often it is that that invitation is like, come on, it's okay. <laughs> you know, you can put down your arms. like Stop you know. fighting. Yeah. The battle is mine. I fought the battle. I yeah. won the battle. I did that on Calvary. Yeah. Surrender to me. Mm. And so often I think we just keep fighting the battle. Oh, yeah. We're just like... Uh, you know, Hiro Onodar and and uh, um, the other guy whose name I struggle more with. And we're like, no, 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 no. We don't want to give up on this battle. We're going to keep fighting this battle. We're going to keep living with the trauma mm. of fighting the battle of this life without surrendering yeah. to God. <laughs> and God's like, I, I want to comfort you. I want to give you peace. I want to give you rest. Mm. The battle is mine, you know. I've gone out there and I've defeated the Assyrians. In our case, I've gone out there and I've defeated Satan. I defeated him on Calvary. Why are you still fighting? Yeah, yeah. And we just live our lives in conflict, always in conflict, that we don't need to be doing. Oh, yeah. Hey. And this is, I just think this is such an incredible picture of who God is. Like he just has this warrior heart, right? Like we read a couple chapters earlier and King Hezekiah is like, you know, the God of Heaven's army. You're listening to the Breakfast Show podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. Okay, so where were we up to? We were, we're talking about we were talking about God. Yes, and we were talking about how we fight the battles of the world. Yes, and we fight everybody around us, and we fight ourselves. That's the biggest battle. Mm. You know, we fight and fight and fight and fight and fight and fight with self. And God says, "Don't fight. Mm. Just surrender." Mm. And the passage that we're looking at here, you know, speak tenderly to Jerusalem and proclaim to her that her hard service has been completed, that her sin has been paid for, mm. that she has received from the Lord's hands double for all her sins. And so 
when you when you look at this passage, there's some comfort here, and God is saying the war is over. Mm. Amazing thing for the Jewish people at that time to hear. But there's also a mention that they've been chastised, haven't they? Oh yeah, they've been punished. So the question is, is this, and this is what a lot of Bible scholars, they kind of wonder about and ask about. Because up until the middle of Isaiah, everything is about the Assyrians. Well, not everything, but most everything is about the Assyrians. It's all about, the Assyrians are the major threat. And so that's up until the middle of Isaiah. When Sennacherib leaves Judea, the the Assyrians don't go away. Hmm. They're still there. And they're still going to be a major, major threat in the world for a long time to come. But Isaiah changes his tune. Yes. And from now to the end of the book, Assyria is only mentioned once mm. in passing. Mm. From now to the end of the book, until right through way through to chapter 66, it's suddenly all about the Babylonians. <laughs> yep. It's all about, so it comes to the story of Isaiah uh, sorry, of Hezekiah and the visit of the Babylonians. And this is why um, Isaiah, unlike Kings and Chronicles, he puts the story of the Babylonian delegation after the story of Assyria. Well, makes sense. Even though it happened before. So chronologically it happened before mm. Assyria. He puts it afterwards because now, because that's the introduction as to why is now going to be focusing on Babylon. Yeah. Babylon has been there. Babylon has seen their wealth. Babylon is going to come back and take that wealth. And not only take that wealth, it's going to take all of God's people captive. Mm. And so you're going to find these prophecies, and they are a mix of prophecies because they mix a mixture between God's judgments on Israel because they've walked away from God. And when they walk away from God, how can God protect them? And they're going to fall into the hands of their enemies. And there was a reason why they fell into the hands of the Assyrians. They fell into the hands of the Assyrians because they walked away from God. And Asa went and worshipped Assyrian gods and invited the Assyrians to come and be his allies. Yeah. And so that cost the nation dearly, incredibly dearly. But now it's going to be the Babylonians. And the warning here is, okay, you've seen what happened when you walked away from God with the Assyrians? You've seen that, right? If you, you know, all the cities except for Jerusalem have been destroyed. What is it? 49 cities destroyed in Judea. Don't go down the same path again mm. because the Babylonians will come and do the same thing and worse. Yeah. And it kind of makes you wonder, you know, Manasseh comes to the throne. Manasseh reigns for what, 55 years that's a long reign. That's long for those kings, yeah. That's long for any king. Mm. You know, even a modern-day monarch, how many of them have reigned yeah, that's true. for 55 mm. years? Yeah. You know, you've got, I think Queen Elizabeth holds the record. Yeah. Um, but she just seems to be immortal. Um, <laughs> she, just, she just feels that way. She just, she just keeps just going. Just keeps going. It's amazing. Uh, but that's that's exceptional. Mm. And in those days, to reign for 55 years was beyond exceptional. Mm, Yeah. So that's what Manasseh is going to do. And it's going to be terrible. 
and there are going to be three kings that are going to come after Manasseh and they are all going to be terrible. And they are all going to just go as hard into idolatry as they possibly can. And the Babylonians are going to come. Mm. And so Isaiah, it's interesting because the rest of the, the, rest of the book, he has this interesting, um, it's almost a conflicted prophecy because he prophesies, he prophesies comfort. Yes, the Assyrians are gone. He prophesies doom because if you go back to where you were when you, when you rebelled against God and the Assyrians came, then the Babylonians are going to come. And then he says, yeah, they're going to come because you are going to fall away from God because he's a prophet and he knows the future. And then he prophesies hope because he says, there's going to be a remnant of people in the land of Babylon who are going to wake up and they're going to go, you know what? We turned away from God and the Assyrians came. We turned back to God and the Assyrians left. We turned away from God and the Babylonians came. If we turn back to God, Mm. maybe we can go back to the promised land. Such an interesting... Yeah, because like, and Isaiah sees all this in prophecy. Yeah, go yeah, ahead. Sorry, go ahead. no, I was just going to say, kind of following up what you're saying, it's such an interesting message of this doesn't have to happen, but it will, and it's going to, but when it does, you know, it's uh-huh. like such. <laughs> it's got like the full spectrum of all the possibilities and how that's going to play out, and it's such a message. I think of, I guess, Christians sometimes talk about the idea of righteousness by faith. Yes. So if you guys are listening, maybe that's a term you understand, maybe it's not, but. It's really God going, let yourself be comforted, let yourself be healed, let yourself find righteousness and justice and be restored. And the people kind of go, yeah, but nah, we might do this other thing, <laughs> actually. You know, and it's like. It's a good thing we're not like that, right? Oh, yeah, no, of course not. <laughs> <laughs> couldn't possibly have that streak of human nature. <laughs> but And you're right, this is something that we actually see just in all of us. It just kind of manifests differently. I don't have idols in my home like physical idols in my home, but there are things in my heart that God's like, I just need you to, this is actually destroying you. It's going to destroy you. You're going to go to this place. There's hope yet. But, you know, it's it's interesting that we don't learn, actually. Human <laughs> we, nature is exactly the same. Yeah, but we have all these stories and we go, yeah, yeah, God, yep, we got it. They were not onto it, but we will be. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> and yet. <laughs> ah, what a great passage we have coming up. That's kind of like a summary of the rest of Isaiah. Mm. I think Minnie has kind of summarised the rest of Isaiah for us. But we'll still read it. Let's just surrender our lives to Jesus today. Yeah. You know, let's quit fighting. Mm. The war is over. You're listening to The Breakfast Show podcast on Faith FM, positively different. Well, it is now time for Question of the Day. Okay, our question of the day is, well, that's kind of two questions. Is the the destruction of the city in 70 AD also what is the flood and the desolation? Okay, so this is part two or part three of a question we have about Daniel chapter 9 that came through. We started answering it last week. Yes. And so the question was, who is the – the original question was, who is the prince? Mm-hmm. So these are questions from a listener if you guys yes. wanted to know. So Daniel chapter 9, uh, let me see here, in verse 26, the Bible says, after 62 weeks Messiah will be cut off, but not for himself. And the people of the prince that shall come shall destroy the city. 
Okay, so the first part of that question that we discussed last week is who is this prince? That's right. Because some people find it confusing because a moment ago it's been talking about Messiah the prince. Okay, so there are two princes in this passage. Um, and to differentiate between them, the Bible is very specific about differentiating between the two so that you don't mix them up. You have Messiah the Prince, that's specifically Jesus Christ, and then you have this Prince who destroys the city and the temple, and the end thereof is with a flood and desolations are determined. Okay, so we simply have to look back through history and we find that, okay, was Jesus cut off at the end of the 62 weeks, well, those 62 weeks are going to bring you to the year, and that's a long Bible study. We can maybe do it for another question of the day sometime maybe. Those 62 weeks are going to bring you to the year 31 AD. Mm. So we ask ourselves the question, was Messiah cut off in 31 AD? The answer is yes. Jesus died in 31 AD. He was crucified. He was cut off, not for himself. He died for you and I. Then it goes on, it says, after that, the people of the prince that shall come, so not Messiah who is already there, so Messiah the prince is already there, he's already been cut off, right? And then there's a, now you've got another prince coming, mm. and he's coming with people. And the Bible says they're going to destroy the city and the temple, and unto the end thereof desolations are determined. And so uh, you simply have to look in history and say, okay, after Jesus died on Calvary, Did someone come and destroy the city and the temple? And the answer is yes. The Roman general Titus turned up with an army. He destroyed the city and the temple and desolated it thoroughly. He pushed the temple down so much so that there were no stones left standing on top of another. Pretty significant. (laughs) Absolutely. He was very, very thorough in what he did right there. Okay. The Bible says, the Bible goes on and it says, and under the end thereof there will be a flood and under the end of the war, desolations are determined. So they also want to know, why does the Bible talk about a flood? You know, Jerusalem is on top of a mountain. It has never flooded. Why is it talking about a flood? This is symbolic language. We've got symbolic language all the way down through this passage, and we simply have to ask ourselves the question, what does the word flood mean? And the word flood in symbolism, in Bible symbolism, is a symbol of an invading force. So water symbolizes people. When you have a whole slew of people that just wash into another nation, that's an invasion. So, uh, you know, the waters where you saw the horse sits are peoples, multitudes, nations, kings and tongues. Revelation 17 verse 15. So water symbolizes people. A flood symbolizes an invasion. Let me give you a couple of examples. We'll go to, uh, let me see here, Jeremiah chapter 46 verse 7. Who is this that comes up as a flood? His waters are moved as the rivers. Egypt rises up like a flood and his waters are moved like the rivers. And he says, I will go up and I will cover the earth. I will destroy the city and the inhabitants thereof. Different prophecy, different time. Egypt is going to invade and destroy the city and come like a flood. Uh, Another one is Isaiah chapter 59 and verse 19. So those that fear the name of the Lord from the west and his glory from the rising of the sun, when the enemy shall come in like a flood... So it's the enemy invading like a flood. The Spirit of the Lord will raise up a standard against him. The flood here is uh, the Roman invasion uh, of the Roman army at that particular time. Thanks for being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at 1-800-FAITH-FM.